Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. What if Hulk Hogan and Bret the Hitman Hart squared off in a 90s dream match for the World Wrestling Federation Championship at the hottest event of the summer, SummerSlam 1993? Well, we didn't get to see it as fans, but this week we are going to reimagine it with all of you here on Kicking Out at 2. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and uh, really excited for this show this week because, you know, wasn't on the schedule. We didn't have this planned out. Uh, this was just some some minor pipe dream that I had thrown out there on social media to gauge interest from all of you and you guys brought it you guys kicked ass on Facebook and Twitter by giving us your dream match scenario when it came to this matchup at SummerSlam 93 and uh, so I thought you know what let's let's dive deep at length with this let's let's put our creative thinking caps on our 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 you know our our, our fantasy booker um, you know baseball hats whatever you want to call them uh, put them on, get ready, rock and roll, let's do it. Let's talk about SummerSlam 93. What if Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart clashed for the World Wrestling Federation Championship? And joining me to partake in this discussion and conversation, who put his wrestling booking creative thinking cap on, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network architect, my co-host, or one half of the hosting squad, I should say, on Marking Out the Days, Kobe Nida. What's up, bud? Hey, hey, what's going on, Dave? I'm real excited for this episode. Uh, this is like a, a you know, a dream ep- episode topic, really, for uh, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, I mean, two guys that both you love, Hogan. I love Brett. I mean, uh, it's going to be awesome to talk about this and discuss what could have been, what if, with these guys, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many, you know, there's so many different avenues that we, we're going to go down when we discuss this. We're going to break it down at what, with what took place, what we saw, what we witnessed, what what you know unfolded in wrestling history, and then we're going to kind of pivot to what we would have liked to have seen unfold in wrestling history, what we thought could have worked, um, as well as shaping out the rest of the SummerSlam '93 card with Hogan and Bret on top for the WWF Championship, but. Before we do all that, we got to get into those cheap plugs because that's what we do. So you can find us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. Like, rate, review, subscribe, hit that like button, give us a follow. Uh, do your, do the thing. Do the thing if you got the guts, uh huh. That's, mm-hmm. what, Randy, that's yeah. what Randy Savage would say. Every, do, do the thing, uh huh. Um, and uh, yeah, go over there and uh, you'll find all kinds of great content, pictures and videos and articles and things like that, memes, all that all that great stuff that goes on over there. A lot of the activity that brought us to this topic took place on Facebook, so head on over there, um, as well as the Retromania Facebook page. You can find that, Retromania with a W, uh, same great content over there as well. Um, Thank you, so kind. Yeah, of course, of course, absolutely. Got to got to got to plug the network. Got to plug the network. And uh, our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two. Same kind of content, just in 140 characters or less. So you can find that over there. Give us a follow, uh, as well as Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. But you can search Retromania with a W on all podcasting platforms available 
Find this show, Marking Out the Days, Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Cool Truth at AC is back. They covered Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. They covered some AEW. So they're back in the streams. You can find that over there. Hulkamania is dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio. All kinds of great bonus content, if you will. Um, Kobe, uh, please, by all means. Uh, prostitute, what else we can find with Retromania? Yeah, absolutely. You can find us on any podcasting app by searching Retromania with a W. The home base is Podbean, like Dave said. We got hundreds of episodes, evergreen content for your ears. And dropping this week is a a discussion about Vince McMahon, the change of guard. Uh, I, I spoke with Jimmy and Will. Uh, Jimmy was back in the saddle talking with me and chopping it up with Will. It was a great discussion. Uh, check that out in the streams now, actually. Ooh, I like, um, so, I like yeah. check that out. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it was it was a nice uh, discussion about what could be, you know, what if, as we're on the subjects of what ifs right now. Um, and wrestling often does that in periods of time where you're just like, what if that happened? It looked like that was going to happen. And then, you know. Or a big change, like, uh, uh, say, someone buying his father's company or leaving his company, you know? Yeah. I, well, you know, while while we're on the subject of Vince, because he's going to play a big, a, a pivotal part in this what if with Hogan and Brett, um, or he, he had played a pivotal part in wrestling history when it came to the, the, the possible dream match between these two, um, just get, share your thoughts briefly, without divulging too much into your recording with Jimmy regarding Brett, or I'm sorry, Vince's retirement slash resignation uh, with WWE. Uh, like a summarized version is, I love the fact that one of the last moments of him on TV is getting caught up in the ropes and then jumping off the stairs, like the Monopoly man that got away. <laughs> um, that's great. that's a great analogy, the Monopoly man. Um, do not pass go <laughs> exactly do not go to jail please i don't need to i'm seven at 77 i'm pretty uh, tired of of uh, getting in trouble with the law um, and uh i'm also i've been accused of doing the thing and they found out what the thing was it was it was a pr it was a pr executive or anyhow um so yeah uh, Vince leaving is, it, to some degree, you're 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 changing the guard. Um, but the these uh, these people like Paul and Stephanie have have shown their hand in how they book, and it's pretty good how they run the the company. So we're in good faith in that in that regard. Um, but Vince is always kind of going to have an ear, or, or going to have someone's ear, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, um, and then. Uh, I do believe that this causes um, more trading or um, swapping of wrestling from wrestlers from AEW and uh, WWE now that there's a different type of management going on. You really think that? Yes. Wow. I, I, I'm not fully there yet uh, when it comes to that. I know that's been t- kind of talked about on social media uh, amongst, amongst other wrestling fans. Um, I'm still kind of in that like wait and see type of scenario. We're, we're recording this on Tuesday, July the 26th, and the the first Pokemon resignation episode of Monday Night Raw took place from Madison Square Garden of all places last night, and it didn't look like we saw and it didn't look like we saw any significant changes. Um, in the small product. little, small little, small little things. Yeah, from um, what I had heard, this was this still had Vince's pr- fingerprints all over it. He approved of this this episode oh, 
actually the day before he resigned on Friday. So, um, however, well, you think they're gonna like change some of the Vinceisms though? Like you know, uh, ho- like hospitals can be referenced instead of medical facility. I'm sure that we'll get you know, some stuff here and, and there. Belts. Yeah, I'm sure that we'll get some stuff here and there. I, I mean, I, 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 I do. There's, I'm like. 51-49% that, like, he leaned towards that, like, he's he's really gone. And I only say that because of what's to come, you know, with the investigation by the SEC, the SEC uh, you know, falsifying revenue as a publicly traded company. That's a big deal. He's going to at least have to pay the fines. Revenue as a publicly traded company. That's a big deal. He's going to at least have to pay the fines, which, you know, and pay back what he had doled out in in hush money which they say it's like you know 16 million dollars over the course of 15 years and they say 14.6 of that was in a three-year period so holy cow that's that, that that's that's a lot but um so let me ask you this <clears throat> that is a lot of money and i brought this up on the the podcast and i want to i want your opinion I, yeah I, I might be i might be a conspiracy theory guy or some you know no go ahead just, i'll blowing a lot of smoke here but give it to me that's a lot of money do you think possibly that there is more to this like the feds could be looking into this as sex trafficking um because of the amount of money being spent and maybe this these specific ladies were like madams and would get other women uh involved you know um i mean that's that's really going down the rabbit hole early on in the in the discussion that's it's I don't in, in today's world I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you know, there's 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 you know enormous conspiracy theorists out there regarding Jeffrey Epstein who you know allegedly killed himself in prison. A lot of people say that didn't happen, and you know he had political ties that was you know Epstein killed Epstein. To, yeah. <laughs> um, that that were that were tied to a sex trafficking ring involving former presidents of the United States and 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 high ranking politicians and and judges and things like that. So, I do I think it's out of the realm of possibility. No, uh, it's not something I've thought about. I was leaning more towards sexual misconduct leading towards these women that he had allegedly um, paid off that would lead to you know almost like a Me Too movement within mm. you know with Vince but at the same time it would not surprise me in the least bit if the Wall Street Journal came out with another story uh regarding something along the lines of of sex trafficking involving Vince McMahon and and that amount of money uh but yeah. it could it could be a case of you know 16 million over 15 years and 14 of it in a 3 year span it could just be a handful of women that he had that he had engaged in sexual misconduct with and you know, paid off to, you know, doing and, the thing. Yeah. Doing the goddamn pal. You're, you're doing that thing again. Um, here at WWE, we like to, uh, <laughs> do the thing. We, we like to make movies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hey, Hey pal. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, it, it wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't. It, it doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me in today's world anymore. What we hear, I mean, Especially a couple of years ago, when the Me Too movement was was early and ongoing, very strong, it made it it, it made its way into Hollywood and and other. I mean, gr- granted, you know, in wrestling, it, it was kind of a part of it that, that summer of COVID a couple of years ago, where we had found out other wrestlers that were involved in, in sexual 
you know, misconduct and allegedly some, you know, Joey Ryan, for instance, was was a big one uh, on the yeah. independent level. So yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. I on it, I know that I, from what I've read, I know that HBO. Uh, Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel is looking into this, looking into developing this story, uh, airing a piece on it. And from what I gather, uh, through um, not nefarious means, but through the you know the, the the dirt sheet writers out there like the Sean Ross Saps and the Wade Kellers, that there's more damning stories to come out regarding Vince. Now that maybe it could lead to uh, some type of sex trafficking. We don't know that for sure. Um, I would like to hope not. But unfortunately, in today's world, I can't rule that out either. So, and it's also um, technically what classifies as sex, tra- sex trafficking now. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's uh, different classifications of it. What you? I mean, you, prostitution is considered sex trafficking if you think exactly. about it. You know? So, yeah. I mean, there's different. There's different, like you said, classifications. But you know. So, I, if you guys want to hear that discussion delved into uh, a little bit more as well, uh, check out the episode in the streams. It'll be a yeah. A, Retromania bonus episode. All right, I'm down. You know, I got to mow the lawn today, so I'll pop the earbuds in and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I, I'm really looking forward to that. That's that's something. And actually, you know, what? it's funny that you mentioned that because, on uh, you know, not to pimp another podcast, but Eric Bischoff's 83 weeks covered what does Vince do moving forward. Um, <clears throat> it was it was a very different approach to their podcast. Usually, they cover historic events and you know personality profiles, but this week they covered Vince and and his his retirement resignation whatever you want to refer to it as um although here's the other thing too kobe like it was announced that it was a retirement but on a late friday evening yeah well they i think they did that strategically when it came to like the stock and waiting you know because the stock market you know closes yeah because i have 51 and they have 49 yeah Yeah, go check that out over on the Retromania stream bonus episode. Uh, Kobe and Jimmy discussing Vince and you know what goes on moving forward and, and and all that stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. But you know, let's let's dive into this subject here. What if Hulk Hogan faced Bret the Hitman Hart for the World Wrestling Federation Championship at SummerSlam 1993? A match that, in my opinion, as a young fan, I thought was going to happen. And there's a number of reasons why I thought it was going to happen. And we're going to talk about that as we go along the path. Let's start out first with Hulk Hogan's return to the WWF after being gone for almost a year uh, in February of 1993. The WWF's well into this, the early phases of the new generation era. Brett's the top guy as the champion. Yokozuna's making his way. You're seeing guys like Razor Ramon, um, Lex Luger, Shawn Michaels, um, you know, names like that that are that are moving up the card, that are focal points of the programming. Kobe, talk to me a little bit about um, your thoughts regarding the state of the WWF in 1993 at that time and Hulk Hogan's inclusion and his return into that. Um, as a child, I don't really think I saw this necessarily because... Um I feel like I feel like I saw the tail end of it when Brett started getting the push uh, when after Hogan had already left, and I was like, "Where's?" So you're Hogan talking like late '92. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would see, I would still see. I mean, here's the thing: WWF still advertised Hogan as if he was like there, yep. you know, all the time. They were so still selling it, those merch and stuff, yeah. But he had become this. Um, 
this uh, relic almost where he he'll show up on special appearances and and big shows. Mm-hmm. But the state of wrestling. Uh, it, it, I guess because of the steroid trial, and I didn't realize it, um, but they, they started going in a, in a smaller direction, less monsters, um, and I thought Razor was cool. I thought I thought Brett was cool. I thought Sean was cool at the time. One, two, three, kid. Um, it was like, it was the new generation before. You know, it was the mm-hmm. birth of the new generation. And yeah. the smaller guys that, they, that, they, that Vince McMahon was kind of forced to, kind of push after that steroid scandal um it, it really uh, that that's my type of wrestling Te- uh, okay of uh, a faster work pace technicians you know um i liked it what about you um it was it, i'll be honest with you as a hogan guy it was kind of a hard pill to swallow that he was leaving um you know wrestlemania 8 ended with him and warrior kind of standing tall and fighting off um the uh the you know said justice and and um Papa Shango, but, mm. um, you know, I, it, it left the door open. I remember watching that as, you know, as, as a nine-year-old kid and looking at that and thinking like, oh my God, this is the end of Hulk Hogan. He was the one that got me into wrestling. Like, what am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, granted, I still had some favorites like Randy Savage to watch, but, you know, Hogan was my, my, my top and my father, I remember my father saying in the living room, he was like, "Don't bring him back. Like he's gonna come back for something. Like he's not, he's not, he's not leaving just yet. He might just be taking a break, but they'll, 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 they'll bring him back." And mm-hmm. um, I was delighted that he was coming back um, during this period of time, heading towards WrestleMania Nine. The the story with you know him tagging up with Brutus against Money Incorporated. They had, the only thing I didn't like about that was that they adopted Jimmy Hart as their manager. I, to this day, I still think that Hogan babyface with Jimmy Hart as his manager was not very babyface like. I, I Jimmy Hart had established himself as this pipsqueak, you know, chicken shit heel manager that 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 you know cheated to win to get his guys you know championship opportunities and things like that. And I didn't think that Hogan and Jimmy Hart were a good fit with Hogan as a babyface. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really buy into that as a kid. But Hogan and Brutus as a tag team, we, it, it had been established. We had seen it before We're against Zeus and Randy Savage at SummerSlam 89. So I thought that, you know, all right, this is cool against Money Incorporated. Hogan going for the tag titles, that I think was a good draw because Hogan had never, in, in, in my existence as a wrestling fan, Hogan had never challenged for the tag team championship. So this was something new. But by the same token, I was also intrigued by some of the matchups that Hogan could have with some of the newer talents, like a Yokozuna, even Lex Luger, the narcissist, and Bret Hart, a Razor Ramon. You know, maybe revisit a match with Undertaker or even a Shawn Michaels. Like those names, I was really intrigued by how they would pair up with Hogan because Hogan had run through the gauntlet of of big names in the WWF on that, you know eight-year run that he had so before he left. And I thought, well, well, you know, this is this is a new, fresh set of guys that Hogan could work with. 
that I thought you know, Hogan could wrestle. At the time, I didn't say, you know, 10 years old. I wasn't using Mark terms, but that Hogan could, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, a fresh set of guys that Hogan could wrestle, that he could have matches with. You know, I, I looked at Hogan and Yokozuna as, like, another Hogan versus Andre the Giant. You and I talked mm-hmm. about it on Marking Out the Days. In the 90s, I felt like Yokozuna was that Andre the Giant type of role because he was larger than life he was this this monster sumo wrestler you know andre was seven feet four 500 pounds yoko wasn't exactly seven feet four but he was over 500 pounds and you looked at him and you saw instant credibility so so Hogan, do you like the the fact that i'm sorry do you i let me interject do you like the no, fact that they kept the the belt on yokozuna that long as, as like a this dominating force um, in the WWF, like who could dethrone him? Why wouldn't they do that with Andre? I know everybody talks about they didn't need he didn't need the belt, but couldn't you argue that to the same degree with Yoko in post tense? Um, I mean, with Andre, I think a lot of that had to do with his health. I know that wrestle after WrestleMania and his age, yeah, true, yeah, yeah, his his health and his age, I think, played a big factor. Draw, you know, getting the most out of Andre didn't need to include him being the champion. Being involved in the title picture with Hogan at that time in 87 and 88 was instrumental in helping to continue this, the rise of Hulkamania. But him being the champion, I think it was based, based purely on his health. I, I don't think it was one of those things where they were like, oh, well, he can't sustain a run as champion. Like, I think, honestly, it had a lot to do with his health. And the fact that Andre, like you said, Andre didn't need the belt. Whereas Yoko, who came in, wasn't established, but because of his look cosmetically and what he was able to to to, to give us in ring-wise and his presentation on television, he gave instant credibility as the WWF, you know, as, eventually as the WWF champion. I mean, he came in, he, he wrestled a couple of enhancement guys, and then he shot straight up to the top automatically. You know, yeah. you could, you could but, argue he, he was the fastest rising WWF champion was, of all time. And he was the one of the youngest at the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of parallels between Yoko and uh, Andre, as now that you bring it up. Both guys not really defined uh, a strong set of promo skills, so they often had a manager speaking for them, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're this big attraction. That's that's pretty cool. I like the parallels yeah. there. Yeah. But, um, all right, go ahead. I'm sorry. But yeah, Hogan being burnt out at this time, I think watching it post, I, I kind of watched these on delay on VHS because I, okay. I, I um, maybe like a year later, I'm, I'm six years old in 1993. Okay. So my memory is a little shaky about this, but mm-hmm. I do remember watching the VHSs and like you said, Hogan and Warrior were at the end of WrestleMania 8 and you're like, oh, oh shit. Oh wow, they're back. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and they can be a, a super tag team. Uh, and thus it never happened, you know, it just poof that we, we covered that on marking out the days, uh, the Saturday nights or the Saturday superstars that was like, uh, just a roller coaster ride of, of booking of where the hell are we going? What's going on? Um, yeah. so it, 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 it was, it was odd to see at the time that Hogan was, was kind of just there but they made him seem like he he was he was a constant but he he was he was stepping out you know yeah he was he was a he was a featured attraction and i think i think a big part of 
that included him being a part of, like you, like I said earlier, the tag team title match at that WrestleMania that year with him and Brutus. So let's kind of let's let's kind of lay the groundwork here. So we get to WrestleMania nine. Well, let's well Yokozuna wins the Royal Rumble, and that was the first year that he that the Royal Rumble winner would face the WWF champion as their as their prize at WrestleMania, and it was him and Bret Hart. Bret Hart had kind of um, this was you know. Well into his run, he had won the title in October of '92. So we're looking at two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, he had a, a, almost a seven-month run as the as the WWF champion. Um, and looking back on it in hindsight, you could make the argument that it was it was nice for him to get established. At least for me as a fan, I felt like he was establishing himself as a, as a featured guy as the WWF champion, wrestling the likes of Shawn Michaels, Rick Martel. Um, Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon and Bret Hart is one of my favorite matches at Roy- in Royal Rumble history from the 93 Rumble. And then eventually he gets to Yoko. Um, great match. Y- yeah, great. Yeah, Bret and Razor, Royal Rumble 93. Go check it out on Peacock it's, it's, it, or YouTube, wherever you want to watch your wrestling or by nefarious means. You'll, 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 you won't be disappointed. But um, get Bret and Yoko. And then the, the co-main event is what they advertised it as. Hogan and Brutus against Money Incorporated for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Titles. Um, talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on both of those matches. And then we'll get to the finish of the end of WrestleMania 9 with Hogan as the champion. But talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on Hogan and Brutus challenging for the tag titles. And then Brett and Yoko. Uh, well, Hogan and Brutus happened because, uh, you know, they, th- Hogan needed that spotlight. And I was, a, I was a Hogan and Brutus Mark at the, you know, watching this as a child. Uh, mm-hmm. so I was all for it, but the, the DQ, it, it was just, uh, you know, that's lazy booking, I guess. I mean, of course, because that's not going to work for somebody maybe, or, you know, depend. Do you, you think that was over- politics? Yeah, of course, can't really? go over clean if he's if he's gonna. They can't go over clean if he's gonna win the title later in the night. I mean, and yeah, you, you make you make a good point there. Yeah, uh, you know, especially if that had been talked about earlier in the night, which it had been. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't just like Vince was like, "Get Hogan out there right now at the main event." You know that that yeah, that, yeah. that that was set up earlier in the day. Um, which I'll which uh, I'll, I'll read a quote from Hogan's book shortly about that, but go ahead, continue. Sure, I got some about on Bretts too. So. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, let, we'll we'll do that after we talk about WrestleMania nine. Then we'll we'll start reading the quotes. So we'll, we'll the let's Wrestle- continue. The WrestleMania nine match between Bret Hart and Yokozuna, I think, is possibly better than the WrestleMania ten match. Um, the way it's constructed, mm-hmm. um. I really love the 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 underdog story with Brett. I mean, this is why I got behind him. Um, just being able to 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 take on Yokozuna. Yeah. But the you know again a, a dusty finish. Like uh, was are we sure Dusty wasn't involved with WWF booking at the time? Uh, Dusty, D- Dusty, Dusty, Dusty was trying to introduce us to the Shockmaster baby in 1993. Oh. So uh, D- D- Dusty had no fingerprints all over WrestleMania Nine in public, if you will. But you okay, know. I was creating, I, 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 I was creating history with the Shockmaster though, <laughs> busting through the wall and the drywall and the two by four on the bottom. And then and then Cody looked there. Cody was sitting in the living room with all his friends. Oh, poor Cody and the kids. They see Uncle Fred bust through the wall. And he said. 
I think that was Uncle Fred. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And <laughs> fucking Ric Flair's in the background like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. I knew I'm the Shockmaster. Oli. Thanks, Oli. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think that that match might be better in if you could take parts of both of them and kind of splice it together, it'd be a perfect fucking underdog versus David versus Goliath match. You know, yeah. Uh, I just don't like the funky ending with WrestleMania 10. If we flash forward, where Yokozuna kind of like falls back on the rope and Brett. Yeah, like, that was that. That didn't look. Yeah, that, I I can understand that finish. I actually like the story of WrestleMania 10 going into it because of Brett's story in that match. The heading chase. into that match, the chase and being beat had, by his brother right before earlier in the night. So he had already he gone into the disadvantage already. So. And there was established history with him and Yoko from the year prior, and this was kind of like a redemption. I thought that story, to me, and you you, you said you like WrestleMania 9s better than 10, but I like that story better than 9 because the WrestleMania 9 story was, at least in my opinion, this is how I looked at it when, when I watched, was Brett was ch- defending his title against the challenger who won, and the challenger was larger than him by several hundred pounds. That's, yes, somewhat of an underdog story, but there's no real emotional connection to it than there was at the WrestleMania 10 story. True. You at can't, least in you my, can't have one in my without opinion. The, yeah, you can't have one without the other, I think, without telling that, that full story. I, I was just talking about the, the, the in-ring psychology. Yes. Fred, no, I, I, get, I, I totally get what you're saying. I totally there was a little more fire in WrestleMania 9 compared to WrestleMania 10. And, yeah. and that being said, that's because Brett had a fucking match beforehand. Yep. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I get, I totally get what you're saying, but continue. So yeah, that, that those that's my thoughts on WrestleMania nine. Uh, it, it, it uh, and seeing Hogan come out at the end, I was like, I always thought, like, what the fuck is going on? Why is Brett just telling him to go get it? Why why doesn't Brett go get it? It just didn't make sense to me, even at a younger age. So I think the psychology was off there, like, uh, you know. It's just it's it was just odd, if you will. Okay. And then having the champion challenge Hogan, it just now I I remember that feeling as a kid being like, why do I feel like this is what 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 is happening right now? Yep. You know. Uh, what about I, you? What say you? So so regarding WrestleMania Nine, the Hogan Brutus Money Inc. Um, finish. Yeah, I get what you're saying. DQ um, at the time. I was kind of hoping to see Hogan with the tag team titles. I thought that had been a kind of a cool visual, him and Brutus as champions. Um, Because at first I wasn't really intrigued going into it that Hogan was going to challenge for the tag team titles. But by the same token, it was something different for him. So then when I finally got sold on the idea that he was going to be challenging for the tag team championship and he didn't, and you know, him and Brutus came up short with that finish, I was kind of left disappointed. Um, you know Jimmy Hart with the whole inside reversal with the, the his jacket as the referee like that's got that's got like Memphis Dusty written all over it right there. Um, Brett and Yoko, um, I was I'll be honest with you I was a little taken aback that even as a kid that Fuji and Yoko would cheat to win and and beat Bret Hart because I thought. Honestly, I really thought as a kid that Brett had no chance of leaving WrestleMania as the champion because of the size difference with him and Yokozuna. Um, 
and I was kind of now, mind you, I didn't watch this live on pay per view. I I eventually rented this at the video store when it came out on VHS. I saw the still mm-hmm. photos um, the next day on Monday Night Raw, and I begged my parents to watch to get the replay. They said no, and you know that you know we got what we got. But I was like, you know, holy cow, um, you know Hogan coming in, and it was like as as someone who. I think what it did was it it was designed to get people to to tune in because it was unadvertised. It was a surprise. You didn't expect it coming. On that level, I think they succeeded on the surprise factor. Um, And it was kind of, it kind of reverted me back to what I was conditioned to seeing with Hogan prior to his return was that Hogan was in the title picture and he was fighting off the big monster like Yokozuna. But by the same token, after I found out the way that Hogan had gotten the title, there was no confirmation from Jack Tunney, who was the president, uh, the on-screen president at the time, that the match was official. I was waiting for Hogan, to, as a kid, was waiting for Jack Tunney to strip Hogan of the title. So when they had announced that Hogan and Yokozuna were going to have a rematch for the championship at the King of the Ring, I was taken aback because I for sure thought that Jack Tunney was going to reverse the decision. It wasn't a sanctioned match. You know, it, it was very... See, it, that it, makes sense. What's that? what you're talking about that that booking makes sense you know yeah but at the same time there are instances in wrestling where it doesn't have to make sense if it if 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 it gets the kind of reaction that you're looking for and it got mm-hmm. the reaction they were looking for the place popped you know they, they were in an outdoor venue but they 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 popped and Hogan won the belt it was a it was a pleasant surprise and like I said, it made it, it had ten year old Dave Rosenbluth begging his parents, "Can we please get the WrestleMania replay? Please, please, I want to see Hulk Hogan won the belt." Blah blah blah, you know. And you know, it was like like you usually was with my parents. It was like, nope, sorry, you know, we can't afford it. So, um, so so we got Hogan leaving WrestleMania as the champion. He. He impromptu, you know, it was an impromptu match with Yokozuna. Bret Hart had kind of given him his blessing, as we saw on camera, where he told Hogan to go for it. Um, and that was from that point forward. That was when I thought, well, that was where I was like, well, Bret got screwed, okay, by Mister Fuji, and now he needs a rematch. And with Hogan as the champion. I thought that was the first thought in my mind where I was like, Hulk and Brett are going to have to meet up at some point for the hmm. title. Like Hulk Hogan's this honorable good guy, and he came out to defend Brett and got, you know, goaded into a championship match and won. Hulk Hogan's definitely going to offer Brett Hart the World Wrestling Federation an opportunity at the World Wrestling Federation Championship. But before we get into the 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 the, the fantasy booking of that. Um, Allow me to read an excerpt from Hulk Hogan's book, the Hollywood Hulk Hogan book uh, that WWE put out a number of years ago. I was going to wrestle at WrestleMania 9 at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Not in the main event, but in a tag team match. It would be me and Brutus Beefcake against a team of Ted DiBiase and Erwin R. Scheister, who called themselves Money Incorporated. The main event would pit Yokozuna, a 700-pound challenger, against the champion Bret Hart. Yokozuna was slated to win that match and take the heavyweight belt. But when I got to the building, I told Vince, Look, man, we both know I'm done here. The moment has passed and the love affair is over. But I've got an idea that will allow me to pass the torch. And what's that, Vince said. After my tag match is over, when Brett gets beat by Yokozuna, how about if I come out to protest the way Brett lost? Yokozuna's manager, Mr. Fuji, can challenge me to get into the ring. 
against Yokozuna, and boom, I can beat Yoko to win the title. Then I go to the next pay-per-view and drop the belt right back to Yoko, and I'm out of here. That was the deal. Vince agreed to it, and I thought, boy, I just stole me a couple of big paydays. And I didn't mind doing a job for Yokozuna because I love the guy to death. It was all set. On April 4th, 1993 at WrestleMania 9, I took the belt from Yokozuna for my record fifth championship. I pinned him 1-2-3, paving the way for our rematch. But before we got to King of the Ring a month later, Bret Hart got in my face and said, You son of a bitch. Vince McMahon told me you won't drop the belt to me. I said, Brother, I'm dropping the belt to Yokozuna. That's the deal I made. And Bret said, That's not what Vince told me. He said you wouldn't drop the belt to me because I'm not in your league and I couldn't lace up your boots. I said, well, how about you and me get in a room with Vince right now? Finally, the three of us, Vince, Brett, and myself, wound up in a room together. Brett said to Vince, didn't you tell me that Hulk Hogan wouldn't drop the belt to me? And Vince said, Brett, that's just what you thought you heard. I had a feeling that Vince wasn't going straight up with Brett, and I think Brett felt the same way. But Vince was the boss, so there was nothing Brett could do about it except fume a little. I was fuming a little myself, to tell you the truth. I didn't care if Brett got the belt or not. It just pissed me off that Vince had told me one thing and then told Brett another. Because everybody thought it was my decision not to drop the belt to Brett. It made it look like I wasn't a team player. So, give me, give me your thoughts on that, and then you can read Brett's account of what took place. It's interesting. Um, cause Hogan kind of breezes by even the finish and just goes into what happened afterwards. Yeah. Um, and do you think there's any, uh, possibility that Vince McMahon likes getting Bret Hart riled up throughout his career? Um, I, I want think- you, I want to see the fighting you, damn it. No, I think I think Vince used to like getting guys riled up because if if there was some animosity between the two of them, like behind the scenes, it would translate well on camera in in interviews. I mean, and I, I tore the relationship apart between Randy Macho Man Savage and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I, I I think Vince, I wouldn't say thrived off of that, but he he used that at at, at times when it was necessary. Case in yeah, point, so- Hogan and Hogan and Savage. Maybe even Brett and Sean, you know, Possibly. definitely, definitely Brett and Sean uh, in the in the late nineties. But um, and there was there was a point where uh, Austin and Rock didn't get along either, but they squashed the beef, you know. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't as 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 big as the other two cases that I had mentioned. But yeah, I think Vince with certain guys, if he knew there was animosity between the two of them behind the scenes, and it could have just been professional animosity, it, it might not even have been personal. He would exploit that. Uh, in, in hopes that it would it, it would come across more organic on camera in their interviews and even in their matches. Right. And my, my second thought is, did Hogan really come up with that? Because if he did, he is a genius for keeping his character alive. Always looking out for his character. I, I mean, it. Hogan's all business. And, you know, he's all about, you know, Look, brother, dude. Here's what I think should happen. I should go over, and Hogan should pose. I th- I, I think he did come up with it. Honestly, I, okay. I I'm not, I'm going to give him the credit and say that yeah, I did. I think he did come up with it. Um, and this was the last little spark before. I mean, it would be some some time before he could catch uh, Vince's eye again with those ideas, uh, because yep. he would always come up with an idea, and Vince would go, "Damn, that's 
let's do it, you know, or what if we tweak it a little bit this way? And it worked for years. I think, too, I, I think, and I could be mistaken, I don't know what Vince McMahon was thinking at that time, but I think um, had Hogan not come up with that idea, I don't know if Vince would have been able to have find a way to kind of pass the torch with eras, so to speak. Because if you if you go back and you look, you know, Hogan leaves after WrestleMania 8, Warriors kind of there short term. But then he leaves, and they go with the smaller guys in 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 Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and names like that. And there wasn't any real kind of passing of the torch. Somebody wasn't made, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Hogan's idea of dropping of of winning the belt and then dropping it to Yokozuna, it kind of some it, it, it Vince found a way to kind of cement that this era of the WWF had come to an end and we have reached a new era with Yokozuna as the champion. Mm. Um, whether that included Brett in the plans or not, I don't know. But why don't you go back and and, and uh, read what Brett had to say in his book regarding the accounts of WrestleMania 9. On April 2nd, 1993, I brought Stu and Helen with me to Vegas for WrestleMania 9, where my mom I pause for also- a second. Pause for yes. a second. I love how he calls his parents by their first names. He doesn't say mom you know, and dad. You know, it's and Helen. Stu I was going to read it. I was going to read it all as Bret Hart, but it gets a little draining hearing that. Yeah. That yeah. tone. You know that yeah. tone? Yeah. That I like, have, I'm not trying tone? to fall asleep, so. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Where my mom was also going to have a family reunion with her four sisters. The Golden Girls. Sorry. That's, it. that's not in there. I just threw that in there. <laughs> Stu beamed okay. at once again, finding himself the center of the sisters' attention. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I left them to reminisce and went to my room just in time to answer a call from Vince, who asked me to come to his suite to talk. I knocked on the door and he answered it with a goofy grin. We sat down and Vince said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to drop the belt to Yoko tomorrow. This is not what I had expected. I sat there dumbstruck as... He went on to explain how Fuji would screw me by throwing salt in my face, building me, uh, uh, yeah, blinding me. I'm sorry. After Yoko had landed, <coughs> after Yoko has was handed the belt, Hogan would rush to my aid, and in some kind of roundabout way, Hogan would end up winning the belt from Yoko right as then and there. Like I was handing Vince my sword, I told him I appreciated everything he did for me, and I'd do whatever he wanted. Vince said, don't get bitter, I still have big plans for you. Sound bites flashed through my mind of Vince assuring me that I was the long-term champion and not to worry about Hogan, who still hadn't even spoke to me yet. As I stood up to leave, I asked, did you take the belt from me because I didn't do a good enough job? Of course not. I'm just uh, in a different direction. It's, it's still onwards and upwards for you. Nothing's going to change too much for you. I was totally crushed. Uh, as I laid in bed that night, I felt more about what Vince had in mind for Hogan, and I, I, more th- I felt it would completely backfire on both of them. The hokey finish would sink. The, the hokey finish would stink. Maybe not immediately, but in the weeks to come, my fans, who were the biggest contingent of Vince's paying audience at the time, would gag on it. There was something different about my fans. They really believed in me as a person. <clears throat> um, 
I got into the dressing room the following afternoon. Word was that I was losing the belt, and it had leaked to the boys. Most of them were quiet, and some were angry. The nasty boys, Sean, Taker, several others, expressed to me their utter disappointment. Knowing I was losing the belt didn't stop me from planning on having a great match. I went over everything with Yoko and designed the match so that all the best moves were left for the final minute. Hogan arrived with his entourage, his wife, manager, Beefcake, and Jimmy Hart. Clearly, he'd been in the know all along, probably from the first day he'd came back. Now, he all suddenly acting like an old, long-lost pal and wearing a big smile, and rightfully, that belonged to me. During our match, it was hot and dry in the desert heat, but a cool breeze made it impossible to work up a, a healthy sweat. An exhausted Yoko stampeded like a runway elephant, shortchanging me on my comeback and editing out all my best spots. I was furious that he wouldn't take upon himself to go home on his own. This is how I came out to find myself crocheted low, desperately hanging onto Yoko's two massive caps in the sharpshooter, fighting for every ounce of strength not to let go. Fuji was caught off guard by the sudden ending, and it took him forever to find, unwrap, and throw the packet of what was actually baby powder into my eyes, supposedly blinding me. I fell back as Yoko hooked my leg, and Hebner counted one, two, three. Right on cue, Hogan hit the ring, protesting the injustice that had just been done to me, and Earl put on that classic expression of utter stupidity that all ref pro wrestling refs wear with convenient. As I fiend blindlessly hogan helped me out of the ring fuji stayed in the ring absurdly challenging hogan to a title match with yoko right then and there yoko was still teetering from exhaustion and looking like a second wind that wasn't even there hogan blinked in astonishment and then suddenly in good fortune as scripted with my face buried in my the crook of my arm i waved him to avenge my loss go get him hulk I was really thinking, go ahead, Hawk, Hogan, take it from me what I worked so hard to get. We'll see how long you last. Hogan was a champion again, without even having a match, and before I'd even made it backstage. He simply ducked the powder Fuji threw in his face, clothesline Fuji, dropped the big leg on Yoko. I could hear the one, two, three, the roar of the crowd, and Hogan's music thumping. I couldn't help but stare at the TV monitor watching Hogan work the crowd with the same old posing routine, a hand behind his ear, shaking the world belt in the air as if to say this belonged to him all along. A few minutes later, Hogan came up to me excited and happy and said, Thank you, brother. I won't forget it. I'll be happy to return the favor. I looked my old friend in the eye and said, I'm going to remember that, Terry. As for Yoko, I was a little pissed off at him for going home on me and not letting me know, uh, not letting me show Vince and Hogan and everyone else that we could tear the house down without their bullshit finish. Even so, it was the best match that Yoko ever had. That's the end of the first part of what uh, Brett has to say about this. Okay. Um... <laughs> I mean, Brett is that, – that just screams like he didn't like – the whole the whole thing just screams like he didn't like dropping the belt, that he thought he should have had a, a longer run with the title. At least that's how it came across to me. Um, I think I, – I mean, I, I wouldn't have been upset had he kept the title, but by the same token, when you matched him up with Yokozuna as 10-year-old Dave Rosenbluth, like I said earlier – I didn't think Brett had a chance at winning the title, at keeping the title, and Yoko was going to win. That's That was my thought, 100%, right there. Um, so 
with with Brett's account of how things t- transpired and took place, like I said, that just screams that like he didn't want to lose the championship at all. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want to hear the the recount of Brett when he encounters Hogan during this yes. uh, this the supposed SummerSlam 1993 match that should have been? Well, let's. Well, well, actually, you know what? Let's hold off on that and let's talk okay. about King of the Ring. What what took place then in '93? We we saw Hogan and Yoko wrestle for the WWF Championship with that that another schmoz type finish with a photographer flashing the camera and it was a fireball coming out of the camera um, in Hogan's face, causing Hogan to be blinded. Yokozuna picking up the victory, and then. We ended that evening with Bret Hart winning the King of the Ring tournament, defeating Bam Bam Bigelow, but being attacked by Jerry the King Lawler um, to end the King of the Ring pay-per-view. Now, Bret's journey, and let's talk. Uh, let's first talk about Bret's journey here for the for the the, the King of the Ring. You know, it, it, he was to me. He was the once the tournament was announced, he was clearly the heavy favorite because of what the circumstances that transpired at WrestleMania. And I figure in my ten-year-old brain, I thought Brett wins the King of the Ring tournament, and he challenges Hogan for the title at SummerSlam. That was my thought. That was a, what I thought was going to happen. And Brett would go on to defeat Razor Ramon in the first round, which was an excellent match. He would then go on to have an excellent match with Mister Perfect in the second round, and then another great match with Bam Bam Bigelow. This was a trilogy of some of Brett's best work, bar none. And I thought that. That the at ten years old, the way that this played out, this was going to lead to Brett and Hulk at SummerSlam. This was obviously before Hulk had lost the title to Yoko earlier in that evening. So, give me your thoughts on on both those. But what to, King of the Ring '93 with Hogan and Yoko, and then Brett's uh, journey in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it it it's awesome that Brett was the first king of the ring quote unquote for the pay-per-view um they had they'd obviously done it before and i think they did a test run with him the year before where he won uh at house shows yeah um so just the the diversity of the challengers the difference of kurt henning being this technical guy that he had already had a previous feud with razor ramon uh i'm sorry was it razor he had beaten Razor in the first round and yeah. then Perfect in the second round. And, yeah, and Razor, here's the funny thing about that. He had backstory with both of those guys. He exactly. defended the WWF Championship against Razor at the Rumble earlier that year. Yep. And then he had that classic with Mr. Perfect that SummerSlam two years prior. So, so there, it was there, like, there's a it was lot like, to build off of. It was the hot sequel between both of them. And I love that when that occurs in a tournament because it's like now this match is 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 for some more stakes, you know? It's like you got to get the victory, uh, so the guys are fighting harder in the tournament, um, and Brett just laid out some beautiful matches, and then to go against the monster Bam Bam Bigelow at the end was another David and Goliath type booking, kind of prepping him for Yoko. Like Bam Bam's like a Yoko light, you know? Yeah, but Bam, yeah, the, the, I thought every, I thought that whole tournament, it was just as at that time, I just thought it was their way of getting him to the championship again. 
the King of the Ring was going to be like another notch again. The no, King of the him, Ring was going to be like another notch on his on his belt, and that he was just going to go go after the title again. Because I'll be I, perfectly honest with you, as much as I didn't mind Hogan winning the belt, I liked Brett as champion too. I didn't have a problem with Brett's right. run as champion. As much of a Hogan Hogan guy I am, I liked the I liked that Brett was the, the the top guy as the WWF champion, and I thought that. Like like most baby faces in in wrestling with 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 situations like that, I thought he was going to have the comeback story because he got screwed at WrestleMania. Absolutely, uh, that that makes all the sense. You know, they they'd have to have that match, that showdown when Bret Hart wins the King of the Ring. You know, he could be he could challenge for the title, but then they throw in Lawler attacking him, and it kind of just like yeah. what? oh man, uh, and I hated Lawler at the time as a kid. I just despised him. Well, he did um, his job, so that, 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 that works. Yeah, exactly. So then the finish between Hogan and Yoko. Got to be honest, didn't see that until I like a year later. King of the Ring, I think, okay. was a hard VHS for me to find. Yep. Um, but it it's it's another dusty finish for Hogan because that's not going to work. For, well, he, he probably said this in, uh, in Japanese to... Um, to Yoko, he said. Yes, I did. Was that you, that's not going to work for me, brother? That's not going to work for me, brother. Yep, that's not that's not going to work for me, brother. In Japanese. <laughs> so yeah, he probably said that, <laughs> and we had to have can you, that. Can you can you replay the the, the that yes. Japanese again? Get the full because I got only the tail end of it. Absolutely. Let's play that again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's been fun, right? Yes. I had that queued up last week waiting for it. Oh, that's like, awesome. Uh, uh, that's so, awesome. yeah, that's been on my computer uh, in my tabs for a week. That's not going to work for me, brother. In Japanese, that's hilarious. So even even though I think the real life Yokozuna is Samoan, is so right. Go figure. And I think I think in hindsight they could have booked him as a as a mad Samoan and give him given him a little bit of a voice because he was Coquina Maximus uh, yes. in the AWA. And believe it or not, he had a match in I think it's all Japan where he I think tagged or tagged against Andre the Giant before Andre's passing. Okay. So these Yes, guys, I do I do remember seeing seeing a video of that on YouTube. Crazy. Uh just a little tidbit there, uh factoid. Um but yeah, I think I think they could have done something with uh Yoko being uh, a mad Samoan instead of uh the Japanese thing, but alas it worked because there was a there was some type of American obsession with Japanese culture at the time in the '90s. Do you remember that? Like ninjas, you know? Yeah, there, yeah. I mean, there was there's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that was very popular. You know, cartoon eventually became movies in the '90s. That that was played a big part of the uh, uh, on the Japanese culture, um, and then you know with the foreign Japanese sumo wrestler Yokozuna. I mean, you know the the Throughout the the hands of time in wrestling history, a foreign heel was, I mean, 
American wrestling fans hated foreign heels. You know, anybody that was from an outside country, they always had to hate America. Or or they were always a bad guy. You didn't find too many um, different um, ethnic baby faces that were not from America, but were well-liked. It was just, it it was that period of time in wrestling. Um, and who better than Hogan at the time to be the guy to vanquish him, Mister U.S.? Well, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was exactly. He was the he was the epitome of you know America at that time. You know, especially you know late eighties going into the nineties. It was Coca Cola, apple pie, and Hulkamania. Those Absolutely. were those were the fabric of Americana. You know, it's it's true. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think the ending just kind of screamed dust, like another cartoon dusty. Finish. Another dusty finish. Yeah, I, I'm and, with you there. And it just, it could have been a lot better. I think at the time when I was younger, I was like, ooh, who's the cameraman? And we never kind of found out. And then, like you said earlier, we didn't even get the president involved where the title's not stripped or something, you know? Like, what's going on? Where is Tunney at the time? Is he getting blown by one of the PRs that Vince had to the side set for him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tunny, Tunny seemed to be absent during this period of time. I don't know what that was all about, but um, I'm with you there. Definitely a dusty finish. I was more so, like I said, going into King of the Ring and even watching King of the Ring or finding out, you know, because once again, this was another show I didn't get to watch. I watched it a few days later, actually. A friend of mine had the tape. And um, so I didn't get to watch the show. I didn't even find out till watching it on VHS a couple of days later what happened because I didn't watch. The, the Monday Night Raw that you know followed it afterwards, but um, I was under the impression that with the the Brett's path to winning King of the Ring, that like I said, it would lead to Hogan and Brett at SummerSlam with Hogan vanquishing Yokozuna because that's the formula I was used to as a kid. I was used to Hogan vanquishing the big monster heels that he had worked with for so long. Even they get they, they get the advantage in the buildup, but then when it came time for the payoff. Hogan would stand tall, as as they say. Hogan must pose. Now, mm-hmm. at at ten years old, this is where I was kind of. I was in a period of time where I was my. I was going through a transition of this phase of of, of wrestling because. Hogan gets screwed. Are you not a little Hulkamaniac anymore, yeah, brother? No, dude, I'm, I'm, I I still am because I'm I'm now confused. Hogan's screwed, and it's ne- it, for me. I needed it spelled out for me. And it wasn't spelled out that Hulk Hogan had left the World Wrestling Federation. Okay, it, it wasn't spelled out for me. It was. I don't think Hogan they wanted got, people to know that. I think well, I was I, really confused as a kid. I was like, "Why?" Is so was I. WCW. Well, not. I wasn't so much confused with that because that would be like a year later. But I was more. I was confused at the fact that like he got the fire thrown in his eyes, and it was you know he was screwed out of the title. I was disappointed we weren't going to get Hogan and Hart because I kind of wanted to see that match. I, I and and I'll explain why as when I do my rebooking of the of the the, the scenario. And I was like I said, it wasn't spelled out for me that Hogan was leaving, but it was more or less like we may have just seen the end of Hulkamania. Now we thought we saw the end of Hulkamania when Hogan and Sid had that match at WrestleMania Eight when Warrior did the run it. And we and Hogan stood tall, so I thought there was part of me that was like maybe Hogan will come back, but at the same time, we had never seen Hogan. I had never seen Hogan at, wrestle for the title in the middle of the pay per view and then lose. You know, mm-hmm. it was usually Hogan was at the end. He, he mm-hmm. was the main event. He was the last match. Yeah. That's what I thought we were going to see. So 
I was disappointed that Brett had kind of moved on to Lawler and that Hogan was kind of phased out and Yoko was the champion. That was where I was at because me personally, I wanted to see Hogan Brett SummerSlam 93. That's where I that's where I was. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Now, why don't you share with us Brett's thoughts about the potential match with with Hogan Oh, with, okay. you know, with, with Hogan at SummerSlam 93. This is from Bret Hart's book. Um, it's called Bret the Hitman Hart, My Real Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling. Uh, it's chapter 29. Brother, you don't know the whole story. <clears throat> huh. Uh, uh-huh. King of the Ring is a one-night tournament concept, and it was a good sign that my stock was rising again when Vince told me that I'd be crowned the winner. My guess was that Vince was starting to build me for what I already knew was coming, a SummerSlam showdown with Hogan. In many ways, a showdown between my fans and his. On May 24th, I was summoned to a secret photo shoot in Halifax to do promotional shoots for SummerSlam 1993. Hogan and I posed doing a mock tug of war with the world belt standing chin to forehead, sneering and gritting our teeth. If I'd faced Hogan at SummerSlam, win or lose, I knew he'd be booed and I'd be the underdog. What didn't occur to me was that Hogan knew it too. On May 29th, Vince called me at his home to tell me that the big news was I was getting the belt back. What I didn't expect to hear was that he was getting ready to call Hogan and hated the thought of telling him that he was too old and tired for the company whose marketing strategy was now based around the new generation concept. Vince wanted me to take Hogan into the Babe Ruth of WWF and use him as more of a special attraction. He asked me not to say anything until he had spoken to Hogan. Ten days later, Vince called again. He warned me that he was about to tell me something that would make me really angry. Hogan was flat out refusing to put me over, saying I wasn't even in his league. Vince had decided that Yoko would be getting the belt instead. I couldn't believe that Hogan would do this to me. I remembered him shaking my hand at WrestleMania 9 and telling me he'd be happy to return the favor. Vince said he'd have one more meeting with Hogan to try to sell him on it, but if it didn't go for it, I'd have to work with Lawler at SummerSlam. Hogan didn't go for it. I wanted to believe that Vince had told, hadn't had told me the whole story, and I made up in my mind to confront Hogan as soon as he had dropped the belt to Yogo. Yoko. Yogo Ono. Yoko. <laughs> I'd, I'd wait till then because it didn't seem right for me to change Yoko's destiny. I showed up in the dressing room for King of the Ring in the dark mood, and I promptly drew a blackboard cartoon of Beefcake with his face buried in Hogan's ass cheek, and the caption read, Be careful, Brutus. You don't want to loosen the screws in your face. Speaking of screws... Really? Did you do that, Brett? Okay. I was taking my frustration frustration out on beefcake which wasn't ripe but i was too pissed off to know at the time what hogan had done was perfectly clear to the boys and they enjoyed the humor of my cartoon since hogan rarely bothered to come into the dressing room he didn't see it but beefcake sure did and he was he went slinking back to hogan but it didn't bother me much hogan was no longer one of the boys and he would never be again Then he goes through his matches at King of the Ring, uh, and he goes, I went backstage and I watched Hogan and Yoko on the monitor. They moved in slow motion like a walrus squaring off against a hippopotamus. I rolled my eyes at how lame the finish was. Hogan proceeded to knock Fuji off the ring apron, only to turn around and see a Japanese photographer in an obviously fake beard on a pond with his 
uh, on the apron with his camera. Hogan got close and the cameraman exploded flash paper, supposedly burning Hogan's eyes. It was a disgraceful way of doing the job. When Yoko pinned him, the crowd seemed relieved. It was finally over. Once Hogan got back to the dressing room, I knocked on the door and I stepped in. Jimmy Hart, Dave Hebner, and Beefcake were with him. I said, Terry, I want to speak with you. We stared at each other. You told me at WrestleMania 9 that you'd be happy to return the favor, and as I understand it, now you don't want to even work with me? You won't put me over, and I'm not in your league? Hogan stood there speechless, so I carried on. Well, you're right. You're not in my league. On behalf of myself, my family, and most of the boys in the dressing room, you can go fuck yourself. He stuttered, Brother, you don't know the whole story. I got to the story directly from Vince, I said. Terry, you haven't even said 10 words to me since you've gotten back almost four months ago if you want to level with me then go ahead i'm right here i can't why not because you just told me to go fuck myself that's right and i'll tell you again go fuck yourself i turned around and walked out heading straight to the ring to wrestle bam bam for the main event and finale of the tournament yada 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 about the tournament the shit with jerry that's interesting hold on pause that for a second that's interesting because Brett's claiming this conversation happened with Hulk right before he goes out for the main event. But they had already had the finish. Hogan and Yoko went on before them. Yes. Several so matches he, prior. He, so he talked he talked to Vince or he talked to Hogan right after Hogan's match. Okay. Well, let, let's let's dissect that for a minute here. Okay, let's dissect that. First of all, I don't think Brett said all that. I don't think Brett did all that. All right, that's just me. And, and now, m- many of you that listen to this will will say, "Oh, well, you're a Hogan mark." Yeah, it's, so it's what, blowing man? a bunch of pot smoke up my ass, is what it is. But it's just every time that there's a situation that Brett's involved in, he's always the victim, and it's always him getting the screws put to him, and it's never like he never contributes anything of on his part to what led to the certain situations that he's involved in. It was all Sean's fault and Vince's fault with Montreal. He didn't do anything to get them to that point, right? Now it's right. all Hogan and Vince's fault that he didn't get the big match Now with Hogan at SummerSlam. Now I have heard from different accounts. We I, I read it in Ho, you know, the quote from Hogan's book. I've even listened to, to Bruce Pritchard. And something to wrestle with. When the discussion came up about Hogan and Brett, it was never on the table, according to Bruce. Okay? But, here's an interesting tidbit that I had I had come across in my notes here. Okay? This is a quote. For a del- uh, it was a deleted blog from Hogan's official website in 2015. This was right Whoa. before, I think, he, they shut down the website after he, he dropped the N-bomb. I never said that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Terry Bollea didn't say that, dude. It was Hulkamania that said that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how I got $130 million from Gawker, brother. Um, so Hulk talks about this subject with, with Brett and the potential SummerSlam match. And he says, at the time, it had to be Brett Hart or Yokozuna. Brett was in his first year being main event status, and he clearly proved his dedication to the business and dominated the tag division throughout the 80s and the IC division for a few years. And he was just an amazing performer. His work ethic was off the charts, and he clearly began to have a following that enabled him to not only be the face of the company, but carry the torch successfully. 
Yokozuna, on the other hand, didn't nearly pay his dues like the Hitman did, but came in as an overwhelming force that shot him up to main event status almost overnight. Yoko was working a program with the Hitman already, and Vince and I knew we could not only get a few extra bucks out of one last Hulkamania run, but also knew Hulkamania could be instrumental in setting up the next guy. I was leaning more towards Brett. So much, in fact, that we did some photo shoots for a possible feud, and even doing a tug-of-war with the belt looked awesome while seeing the picture afterwards. However, Brett was the babyface, and so was I. The only time a babyface baby happened on a grand level was at WrestleMania 6, which caused a split crowd. And even though it was awesome, it kept the crowd divided afterwards. So that's interesting there. And I wanted to bring that to your attention because in his book, there's no mention of him and Brett having a potential match at SummerSlam. But in this blog post here on his website, which was taken down, it says that he had done the photo shoot, but I've listened to interviews with Bruce Pritchard, and he says that it wasn't even on the table. He had never even heard of this photo shoot before. Jimmy Hart, who yes, he's a Hogan guy, said that was never discussed. There have been a lot of there have been several other key members in that circle of people that have said Hogan and Brett was never discussed, but both Hogan and Brett say that they had done a photo shoot together. So I don't know what to believe at this point. Maybe but, and Vince- here's the other thing. Here, hold on, before I before you continue, the other thing the thing I want to mention here is that there's there's an issue of the WWF magazine. I don't remember what month it was, but it was in 1993. I think it was in the spring. I want to say maybe it was May, maybe even June, where they had previewed a potential matchup between Hogan and Bret Hart. Mm-mm. How would Bret? How would Bret? What, what kind of strategy Brett would have to face a Hulk Hogan? And I posted the picture on the on our on the on the Kicking Out of Two Facebook page uh, just last week when talking about you know this this discussion. So there's maybe so many Brett, different maybe maybe Brett's getting that mixed up. You know, maybe he was thinking that that was the title. Uh, you know that that meant the title match was going to happen between them. And I, I, for some reason, I feel like Hulk Hogan, after all these stories that we've heard over the years of him inflating a lot of stories and uh, <clears throat> lying, straight up lying, um, maybe he's that type of guy that goes with somebody else's lie if it benefits him. Do you know? So, all right. So what you're getting at here is that. I, so, I see this. I see this article. It's called, it's titled "The Fox and the Hound," and it's the young it's, guard facing the old guard, essentially. Is and this is from the WWF magazine. Yes, early summer, nineteen ninety three. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, see, see, that's the, see. so that picture doesn't have a title belt involved, but you could see how maybe I think what Brett and Hogan are referring to with the title belt and the tug of war is a promo shot for the pay per view. Right. I Which think maybe, that's what they maybe, were referring maybe to. Maybe Vince just wanted to see how that looked, so he set that up himself. And, and you know, and of course, uh, Pritchard is going to agree with what Vince says because he's the same guy. Yeah. You know, um, so uh, there could be. It, it's it's an interesting story. If we ever see that picture, that'd be amazing. You know. Yeah, there's never been a picture that has come out of of those two, of those two tug of warring the world wrestling federation title um i've never seen one the the closest thing i've seen to a SummerSlam promo shot was i think 
the the picture I posted on social media of the Summer Sl- of the SummerSlam box set. Yeah. But um Yeah. So that I mean, that's interesting. Um I, I'll continue to read the last little bit of Hogan here in the uh Bret Hart book. Okay. The next day, I was so sore I could barely drive to the building in Columbus for TVs. I hobbled in. Hogan came straight to me. He motioned with his big finger, come here. I stared at him, and he softly asked me, can I have a word with you? I nodded, and off we went to talk. Terry told me that, yes, I was supposed to win the belt back, but that Vince had changed our contest at SummerSlam to a non-title match. He no longer wanted me to to do the match with me. But I clearly remembered that the photo shoot that we had done with the belt and that Vince had told me I'd beat Hogan with the sharpshooter. I knew what I had been told and I stood firm. Vince said, Vince said, uh, you said I wasn't good enough. Uh, Oh no, this is Brett speaking. Vince said that you said I wasn't good enough for you and to even consider putting me over and I wasn't even in your league. That's just not true, brother. With a mad look in his eyes, Terry tugged me by my sleeve toward Vince's office and we barged right in. I didn't mind. I wanted to know which one of my supposed friends was lying to me. Vince directed uh, with pleading eyes at me and when Hogan retold his version, Vince coolly lied Coolly lied to my face. I never even said that there would be a title match, Brett. I realized that there was some kind of head game going on between Vince and Hogan, and I was merely a pawn being played, and I would be discarded. When Hogan left the office, he had tears in his eyes. It would be a long time before I'd see him again. He finished up a few days later, and most of the boys suspected he'd be back to score a main event spot with Yoko at SummerSlam. Either way, it wouldn't be me. I had Lawler, whether I liked it or not. As for Vince and Hogan, their actions spoke louder than words, and even their words contradicted each other. I kept thinking, I'll show them I really am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Ladies and gentlemen, Brett the Martyr Heart. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Um, now that we've laid all this out, okay, we obviously saw, you know, Brett and Lawler at SummerSlam. Lex Luger would be the, 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 the white knight, the, 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 the American hero that they had tried to protect portray um he went from being a narcissist to an american hero overnight to challenge yokozuna for the wwf championship and this was the period of time in the wwf where i wasn't i i was in i was in a state of flux as a fan because i wasn't really i i thought brett should have been in the title picture and mm-hmm. hogan was le- left and i didn't buy lex luger with this usa thing as much as i liked luger I thought he was a better bad guy than he was a good guy. That's just me um, at that point in time. So I had a hard time getting into Luger as this, you know, American hero. Now, let's let, let's start rebooking this, if you will. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring you my my my, my chain of events that are gonna lead to this match, and then. Um, as well as how the remainder of that SummerSlam card is going to play out, and then you could do the same as well. Um, actually, would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Um, okay. So there's not going to be too much change for me. Uh, uh, okay. As far as there, there's going to be a couple pieces. Okay, so Yoko and Yokozuna and Hogan do have their rematch at King of the Ring, um, uh-huh. but 
instead of the cameraman getting involved, uh, they go to throw salt and Brett comes out to the aid of Hogan. Um, and uh, Hogan gets the advantage, wins the title, but Brett is standing there just becoming the king of the ring, nodding his head at, at Hogan like, you know where this is going now. You know, yep. you, you saved me, but you also screwed me in a way. And now it's time for me to screw you back type deal. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think also Lex Luger does not come into the WWF if Hogan stays. Um, well, Luger was already in the WWF at that point. He, was, at, he had made his debut at the Rumble in 93. Darn. Well, let's eliminate him from the picture. Okay, he's gone. Because uh, Vince McMahon doesn't need a replacement Hogan. Okay. Uh, Hogan's sticking around as, as okay. for the foreseeable future, as we see. Okay. He, he, he wants him to do the Babe Ruth job, and Hogan is in ingredients uh, to do that Babe Ruth job, to pass the torch, essentially. Mm-hmm. To do the right thing, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... Heading into the card of SummerSlam 1993, I wouldn't change much. I would actually have Doink and uh, Jerry the King Lawler start harassing The Undertaker. I would have had The Undertaker go over Giant Gonzalez at King of the Ring um, in a non-tournament match. Um, okay. Just, you know, kind of blow that off there because it was just the shits. And I would have Doink and Taker start a feud for SummerSlam. Um, you could see this goofy person antagonizing um, The Undertaker and then Lawler and Paul Bearer kind of going back and forth on promos. Hmm. Okay. Um, I also would have uh, Yoko be pissed at Bret Hart for interrupting the match at King of the Ring uh, uh, with Hogan and being involved there and kind of Bret getting his, uh, his well-deserved championship match after winning three in a row at King of the Ring, um, Yoko would take his frustration out on Owen and have a match with Owen Hart at SummerSlam. Hmm. And uh, and then I would ultimately just have the rest of the card the same. Um, uh, you, you can go through that as, as you talk about your end, but uh, then the ultimate showdown would be Brett and Hogan. Now, Brett has kind of called out Hogan, and he's 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 almost taken the route of I, I'm a I'm a workhorse champion. I proved that. I'm here all the time. It's almost a, a la The Rock and John Cena. So okay. He, Hogan's the old guy. He's he hasn't defended the title once since winning it again, and now he's gonna face me. I want you to show up, Hogan. And Hogan doesn't show up. He just delivers a promo. Well, you know something, Brett? You know, all the Hawkamaniacs are all behind me. And that's why your pink and black doesn't run with the red and yellow. You know, something to that, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm, I am the man and I'll show you why I am the man. Mm-hmm. At SummerSlam, I accept your challenge, Brett Hart. But we haven't seen Hogan. It's like, uh, hmm. So at SummerSlam... We're like, we haven't seen Hogan yet. He does he does not do a promo backstage. It's building of like Hogan, where you know, is is the champion ready? And there's a locker room outside and maybe Jimmy Hart's involved with the champion's in there, baby. The champion's in there, baby. But he he's gotta focus right now. 
you know, just kind of, you know, keeping keeping the 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 pop sealed for now in that balloon mm-hmm. that's filling up, brother. And okay. we get the main event. Bret Hart comes out first. Hogan comes out to a huge pop. Bret Hart is kind of seething. You can kind of see he's like, mm. and Bret kind of just attacks Hogan as the bell uh, is starting to ring. Hogan's posing for the fans and we start the match off uh without without the bell almost ringing uh an outside attack almost and brett kind of like wears down hogan's leg kind of taking the heel route but almost like he's gonna fight for this he's he's not he's not taking hogan lightly and it's not gonna be that friendly challenge that hogan wanted he he's been he's had hogan uh, he's had Brett like built up with animosity over the, over this uh, over this title match that these guys uh, you know are supposed to have, and Hogan kind of ducked him in a way, but he shows up, but he gets this bigger pop. So Brett's like frustrated, so he's gonna show that you know he's still the man. He wants to be the man. So uh, the, the, he's wearing down Hogan. Hogan comes back with the big uh, Hogan Hulk up, and uh, ultimately Brett has some other ideas in mind, some chain wrestling, and uh, Hogan is rolled up into some type of cradle, like a Pat Patterson-type finish, and Bret Hart wins. And the fans are are going nuts. Bret Hart wins, but Hogan's like, we got to do that again. Uh, So you could leave it hanging, but uh, also uh, Bret and Hogan shake hands. Hogan points, you're the better man tonight. And that's it. That's all I got. Okay. All right. Um, I got some changes while at the same time I try to keep up with the timeline and what took place. So, um, you know, WrestleMania 9, same finish. King of the Ring for Brett, same finish, wins the tournament. Except, um, you know, he's attacked by Lawler. That's, and this, this, takes, this takes place middle of the show. Brett's attacked by Lawler, but he fights him off. And he still kind of stands tall uh, while Lawler kind of powders out. And that just kind of leaves that hanging there. Now we get to the now we get to the title match with Hogan and Yoko. And we get to the, the cameraman spot. But this time, Brett shows up to thwart the cameraman, mm. which ends up being James E. Cornette. Ooh. It's revealed that Jim Cornette was the cameraman, and he's the American spokesman for Yokozuna. Hogan makes his big comeback, big boot in the leg. Hogan wins, defeats Yokozuna. Brett and Hogan face to face. Hogan holding the title. Commentary, you know, Randy Savage, Jim Ross, Bobby Heenan on commentary. You know, you know. It's, Kind of previewing what could be between Brett and Hogan. Will we see these two square off, you know, down the line? Pay-per-view rolls, you know, rolls credits, fade to black. In the weeks and months leading up to SummerSlam with Hogan and Brett, Bobby, it's it's, it's announced by Jack Tunney, Bret Hart, by virtue of winning King of the Ring, will have his opportunity to challenge for the and get his rematch for the World Wrestling Federation Championship at SummerSlam against Hulk Hogan. They build it up as this babyface versus babyface match. But along the way, on commentary, heel commentator Bobby the Brain Heenan, as much as he's been a Hogan detractor all these years, 
he kind of will start to plant the seeds of an edgier Hulk Hogan. Exploiting the fact that Hogan is the larger opponent than Brett and Brett doesn't stand a chance. Brett lost to Yokozuna, who is over 500 pounds. What kind of a chance does he have against the Hulk Hogan? Kind of really stirring the pot. He's not necessarily involved, but from a commentator's level, he kind of gets that idea, that ball rolling. And then it comes out in interviews, and you know, in Brett interviews and in Hogan interviews, the size differential. You know, but at the same time, there's Vince McMahon on commentary that exploits Brett's youth and speed and his technical skills that Hogan might not be able to counter in a match between the two of them at SummerSlam. And then we get these face-to-face confrontations between Hogan and Brett, whether it's on a Monday Night Raw or on a Superstars or a Wrestling Challenge with, like, you know, Mean Gene is like the moderator. And Hogan starts to... To, to reference the Bobby Heenan comments where he goes, well, brother, you know, I'm much bigger than you and I've wiped the floor with bigger guys than you over the years. I made a name for myself, you know, slaying the dragons and SummerSlam is going to be a piece of cake for you. And now we start to see a little bit more of an edgier Brett where Brett, you know, can kind of respond back with, well, you know, you, you, you came back to the WWF because you couldn't handle someone like me taking your spotlight. I was the champion and you had to shoehorn yourself in and take the title, you know, from Yoko after I was screwed out of it because you knew you couldn't beat me. And you kind of build off of that heading into SummerSlam. You know, the the old guard with Hulk Hulkamania against the new generation of Bret Hart as the WWF champion. Um, as far as the remainder of that SummerSlam card goes, I mentioned Lawler earlier. He attacks Bret but Brett kind of, you know, fights him off at the end of the, the, the coronation ceremony at King of the Ring. And Brett, w- you know, w- would stand tall. Well, Lawler still got beef with Brett. And that's kind of an outside distraction from time to time throughout the course of this Hogan-Brett build. But this is where Owen comes into play. Hmm. Owen knows how important it is for his big brother to get this opportunity and his rematch for the WWF Championship. So Owen inserts himself into the issue with Jerry Lawler. And Owen and Lawler will head up as a, in a singles match at SummerSlam. Then you have Yokozuna. Okay, Where does he go from here? He just lost two straight to Hogan. Okay, he, he felt he was screwed not only at WrestleMania and King of the Ring. It was revealed that Jim Cornette was his American spokesman. Well, this is where Yokozuna, Jim Cornette, and Mr. Fuji begin to accuse not only the World Wrestling Federation... They're also accusing the wrestling American audience for conspiring against Yokozuna, the mm. Japanese sumo wrestler, and his his quest to be the World Wrestling Federation champion. And this is where he will end up going through countless wrestlers after countless wrestlers from time to time until Randy Savage, who is sitting at commentary, has had enough. He has just he's had enough, and he won't is going to be the one to defend the honor of the United States of America I against Yokozuna. Just um, talking about I, just those two. Yes. I I, I thought I thought we were going to see it because I thought mm-hmm. that, you know, especially mm-hmm. in 93, Yoko was going through all these guys. Savage would have been the next logical step, but they, they decided to, you know, scale back Savage quite a bit in a commentator's role. Now, in your timeline, you don't have Lex Luger involved. In, in this. But I do. 
I had I go back to Lex Luger and Tatanka, King of the Ring, in their tournament match where they both were eliminated from the tournament that resulted in Bam Bam Bigelow getting a bye in the second round. This is where they have their rematch at SummerSlam. But it builds off of it builds off of Luger. It builds off Tatanka trying to defend Luger from Luger knocking everybody out with that forearm. Okay? And along the way, okay, along the way, Luger will revert from the narcissist persona to this cocky, arrogant, Mr. USA type persona. So we almost get Lex Express, but in a cocky heel manner. Very similar to like when the Rougeos were endorsing America as the All-American Boys, or even Kurt Angle, okay? So the Luger will... Luger will kind of be the the heel that will that will will in a very tongue in cheek kind of way knock the United States and rep but at the same time while representing the United States if you get what I'm saying okay and Tatanka don't buy that bullshit all right Tatanka's not buying it one bit he knows Luger's out for himself he's not you know Mr USA like everybody claims he is okay. He's just, you know, and, and and Luger's trying to put on this act. He changes up his look, the USA gear, the whole nine. He waves the flag. People aren't really buying it. You know, they kind of tie it in. They kind of tie Luger into the Savage Yokozuna thing. Luger, Luger kind of pretends that he's backing up Savage. Tatanka knows it's bullshit. Savage is kind of leery about it. Even Yokozuna and Jim Cornette are kind of leery about it. But that's where they insert Tatanka into the mix. Luger and Tatanka one-on-one at SummerSlam 1993. Now, um, I'm along the same scale of you as far as Undertaker goes with Giant Gonzalez. I would have had him waste Gonzalez at a late, you know, earlier than SummerSlam. You know, maybe even King of the Ring, maybe a Superstars or whatever. Okay, get rid of Gonzalez, and I'd move Undertaker. I like your idea of Undertaker and Doink. Okay, I really do, and I think that could develop. Over time, but my timeline, I would have Undertaker, Bam Bam Bigelow, as a singles match at SummerSlam. Okay, very nice. Undertaker slays the Beast and Giant Gonzalez. Here comes Bam Bam and Luna. All right. Now, I can see a Doink involvement with Undertaker and an alliance with Bam Bam maybe down the line, but Doink's not on this SummerSlam card as in a match. Okay, Mm. he's just not. But he will be involved in some form or fashion. Moving okay. it's, and and that will take part in the Lawler Owen Hart match. Okay. Okay. You know, maybe Doink kind of sides with Lawler, gets involved in the match. I mean, I don't want to have too many finishes where there's interference in the SummerSlam card, but I I don't know right now currently where I could put Doink, but he's involved somehow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Okay, so we'll just we'll, he's he's open right now. It's open for interpretation. Um, I would keep the Mister Perfect Shawn Michaels Intercontinental Title match. Uh, as much as I don't really care for that match when it took place, I would still keep that because Talk that was about a pretty a match good match that fell flat. You know exactly, exactly. I don't know what I would do to fix it, but I thought the story was good heading into that heading into that show. You and know, with paper. perfect and yeah. And then you looked at it on paper, you're like, this is going to be a classic. And mm-hmm. it fell flat completely. So um, 
I don't know. I mean, Diesel, he's still a part of, you know, he's still with Sean. Maybe there's some inclusion with Marty Jannetty. Maybe Marty Jannetty goes to back up perfect because Diesel was backing up Sean. Maybe Marty's in perfect's corner. That could, that could you know, be something there. Uh, maybe add a little bit more to what we got in 93. Um, the tag team titles at, at, in, at the SummerSlam in 93 was the Steiners and the Heavenly Bodies, um, which was an underrated match. If you were to go back and watch a match on that show, that would be one of them because that was a very, very fun, fast-paced, good tag team match. Yeah. Um, but I would add to that because uh, on that card at, in 93, we saw the Head Shrinkers and Bam Bam Bigelow take on Tatanka and the Smoking Guns. Well, we have Tatanka and Luger. We have Bam Bam in place of Giant Gonzalez against Undertaker. So instead, I would do Steiners, Heavenly Body, Smoking Guns, Head Shrinkers in a four corners match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Okay. All right. And then last but not least, um, in 93, we saw Razor Ramon take on Million Dollar Man in a singles match. And then we saw One Two Three Kid and Erwin R. Scheister in another singles match. I'd merge that and make it a tag. Because uh, at that time, we saw Razor get defeated by Kid. Not once, but twice. Um, DiBiase and IRS were kind of disappointed that Razor couldn't get the job done. And therefore, that eventually led to the Razor Ramon babyface turn. I would make that a tag match. Um, I was kind of surprised that I was kind of surprised it wasn't a tag match. Given DiBiase's condition with his injury at that time, that would be his last wrestling match. Um, even to this day, uh, DiBiase, his last match took place. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He had a match in All Japan, I think. And it just wasn't the same um but as far as the finish to hogan and brett goes so i was kind of up in the air about this one i went to social media and we had a lot of folks on social media talk about brett going over um and i would have liked for me in my perfect world i would have liked to have seen brett go over either um brett's the aggressor in the match he's working on hogan's leg so he's kind of the heel He's taken on that attitude. He's got a right. little bit of edge to him because the Bobby Heenan and the detractors out there said that Brett's not good enough to beat Hogan. He's too small. And Hogan's kind of played off of that to get the, to light a fire under Brett's ass. Okay? Brett's the heel in this, at least from a match standpoint. Working on the leg. Really breaking it down. We get the Hogan comeback. He gets the best of Brett. He goes for the big leg. He gets the big boot. Goes for the big leg. Brett kicks out. Then they fight back some more. Brett goes for the sharpshooter. Hogan reaches the ropes. Okay? We're at a standstill. Eventually, we get to... Hogan goes to slam Brett. Brett counters and reverses. Chops the leg. Puts him in the sharpshooter. Hogan passes out from the pain. And your winner and the new World Wrestling Federation champion, Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett walks off into the sun... Hold on, let me finish. Brett walks off into the sunset, carrying the title. Hogan gets up. Brutus is there. Jimmy Hart's there. They both try to. They, they, they both. They, they both try to console Hogan. And out of nowhere comes Yokozuna and Lex Luger as a force together. This is after Luger. Luger gets involved in the Randy Savage match, knocking out Savage, helping Yoko win. Luger and Luger and Yoko form an alliance together with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji. And they take out Hulk, Beefcake, and Jimmy Hart and stand tall to end SummerSlam. 
Uh, I literally almost did the Lex and Yoko teaming alliance, but I I, I chose to uh, eliminate keep Lex, Lex out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I love that. And then also the finish. I I almost thought, what if it's it kind of mirrors the WrestleMania six finish where Hogan hits the big boot, he goes for the leg drop, but Brett moves. As he hits the leg drop, Brett pops up and puts him into the sharpshooter. I thought about that too. I yeah. thought about that as well. I, I really did. I, I wanted to kind of make Hogan look strong and Brett look strong at the same time. Both of them kind of, you know, countering each other's finishes. Brett kicks out of the leg drop. Hogan breaks the ropes for the sharpshooter. But Brett had worked on the leg for so long that when Hogan goes for the big, you know, the slam again, Brett chops the leg. We finally get, you know, Hogan down, then Sharpshooter passes out from the pain. Um, yeah. I thought that would have been like a, a warrior way to go out, you know, for Hogan. Now, yeah. well, went to social media, and like I said, we saw a lot of guys on social media that had that had um, gone the, the, the route of Brett going over. That's the majority of them, okay? So I'm going to go to Twitter, okay? Um, Patrick Lipscomb wrote, Brett, especially if Hogan still leaves. Even if Hogan doesn't leave, it should have been Brett. The reason? In order to grow a wrestling company, you have to have new stars. If you keep retreating the same old stars, eventually you're left bare once those stars age out. Um, Mm -hmm. This tweet was retweeted by the History of WWE over on Twitter. You don't book this match in 93 without Brett going over, period. The lack of established main eventers in 92-93 hurt Brett's run. He's largely just beating mid-card heels. A Hogan win cements him as the man. Ooh. What do you what do you think about that? Because that, 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 that's what a lot of people have said in the past, that Brett's run as champion leading up to WrestleMania 3 was kind of underwhelming. What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. He fucking, Ric Flair put him over. So that's not a changing of the guard. I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess because Flair is not the homegrown guy and Hogan was larger than life. There's two different wrestling styles here. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking at Hogan's style, which is uh, the monster crusher and long posing, more cartoonish. Um, Then you look at Brett's style, the technician style. Um, I think he had a fantastic match with Ric Flair. Uh, but it, the rest of his run was kind of battling those mid-card guys. He definitely needed that Hogan victory. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I, even I, a clean I, victory over Lex. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is that you, you, you kind of play into... I, I You go back to what took place in 93, which was something that really wasn't revisited after, but the storyline going into WrestleMania 9 that we forgot to mention was that Brett was knocked out at the WrestleMania brunch the day before by Luger in the bionic forearm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have that open there as well. Um, Luger's, in, Luger's inclusion um, into the mix. But um, Stuart Wood on Twitter said, Brett wins with the sharpshooter clean in the middle after he is kicked out of the leg drop. Now, here's a scenario I saw on Facebook that I think is the best one. It's from Brian Powers. Brian Powers writes, Owen comes out from the back to check on his downed brother after a nasty-looking spill to the outside. Hogan always faced the axe concerned in the ring. While Brett is down being checked on by the ref, Hogan comes to the ropes to ask if he's okay. In that exact moment, Owen throws some kind of powder into Hulk's eyes, blinding him. Brett recovers and rolls into the ring. He small packages the blinded Hogan for the 1-2-3. Owen celebrates with his brother in the ring, seemingly more excited about the victory than Brett. 
Brett looks onward at Hogan, confused as to why Hogan is acting strangely, rubbing his eyes like he can't see, while Owen is holding up Brett's arm with the title, jumping up and down with excitement. Hogan looks back at the confused Brett and says, You'll get what's coming to you, brother. Who's the face? Who's the heel? Was Brett in on his brother's plan? Tune in next week to see the aftermath of SummerSlam 1993. Wow. I like that one, too. It's a little different. Especially yeah. with 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 Owen becoming the heel, you know. Yeah, and that's also something too that like I could have inserted into my scenario, which then eventually sets up Brett and Owen down the line for the championship. Yeah. So, all great stuff on Facebook, um, dude. This has been a lot of fun. I I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, is there anything else you can add to this potential dream match of Hogan and Bret Hart, SummerSlam 93? Or did we no, cover I all think, the bases? I think we covered all the bases. This is a great topic, though. This I love this uh, series of what if, you know? I think this is something I'm going to continue doing on Kicking Out It, too. And, and, and you're obviously more than welcome to contribute if you'd like. You know, what if? And we can go through some of the bigger what ifs in wrestling history. Absolutely. That's this is a lot of fun. I'm 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 game anytime. So uh, I, I, I thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, dude. Definitely, definitely. We'll, we'll we'll be we'll be hitting up another what if very soon. Thank you all so very much for checking us out, tuning in, pressing play, hitting download, and joining us for what if Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart met for the World Wrestling Federation Championship SummerSlam 1993. SummerSlam's coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, last man standing, Pat McAfee's on the card, Logan Paul in the Miz. Uh, not the not the best SummerSlam, at least on paper, in my opinion, but we'll see how it plays out. And then uh, when we come back to you next time on Kicking Out of Two, hopefully we're going to be covering some more of 1997 WCW and WWF Nitro and Raw with all of you. So, without further ado, I think it's about that time that we officially put this show down for the three count, brother. Or the sharpshooter. You might be tapping out. I think it's time we tap out. Either way, the finish, it's clean, it's in the middle, and we'll see you all next time.